Welcome back to Horoscope Witch. It's Mal. Hey friends, welcome to the January sermon. I gotta be honest, I'm really struggling with this recording right now. I'm struggling to even know how to begin this sermon as we are, as I'm recording this right now. It's January 8th. It's the morning of January 8th and things just keep changing so rapidly that it's hard to ground and I think there's a part of me as an intuitive where I feel like in order to deliver my quote-unquote best message I have to feel kind of grounded and and stabilized and dare I say, even safe. And right now, that's just not the vibe in the air for obvious reasons. Um, For the past couple days, it's just been chaotic, so chaotic. There's been so much political unrest. We have, at least in America, we have a fascist leader as our president who is... um, you know, ordering his his following of violent white supremacists to cause disruption and violence and terror, not only in the Capitol building, but all over the country and honestly, probably all over the world. So it, it's just not, it just does not sit well with me. I don't think it sits well with anybody. And it's been hard to ground and stabilize after watching certain things on the news the past couple days. Also, you know, none of it's surprising, obviously. I mean, we all knew, you know, there were, there's racism and, and white supremacy. And in this country, we all knew that the, the president is dangerous, but I got to be honest in a way, like I'm not surprised, but also I'm shocked at the same time. And I've never like, how can you be not surprised, but also shocked at the same time? Like that's kind of what I'm wrestling with, um, at the moment. So long story short, forgive me if I'm a little bit ungrounded in this episode. Forgive me if it's a little bit hard for me to find my words in this specific day. Um, Although I know I'm a little bit late. Like I said, it's January 8th. I usually like to get the sermon out the first couple days of any given month, but here we are and we'll just trust it. Um, I'll try better. I'll try my best next month to get it, get the sermon out on time. But this month we're just kind of have to answer to what the present moment is, is telling us, right? And what, what's happening in the present moment and what's happening in the present moment is chaos. And that chaos makes it hard really to do anything, right? Um, so how are we, how are we doing? Are you, are you okay? (laughs) Um, is anybody okay in this moment? I feel like no one is entirely okay. I saw a tweet maybe a day or two ago that was like, no one under 40 believes that anything good will ever happen again. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I could, I could feel that. Like I could, I could, um, 
honestly, maybe, yeah, like maybe that's, maybe that's the case. Um, perhaps, but you know, it's like, I think pessimism and, and kind of, um, yeah, pessimism is tempting at the moment, right? Um, and and I understand that. So, but at the same time, it's like this this current energy that we're experiencing. Um, the only way I can describe it is a pressure cooker, and inside, like a literal pressure cooker, like the far as far as I understand, like the air molecules are kind of like going crazy and they're kind of like bouncing all over the place and um and that's like kind of what is is how something cooks under pressure and um there's like a level of like chaos and unpredictability with with the air molecules and um and that's kind of what feels like is happening right now and to be honest when that is happening that is when some of the biggest changes happen right so let's get into it just in case you are new I will say that um when I do a sermon yes I label it as this is the monthly sermon however I also set the intention that you can listen to this whenever you want and whenever you feel called to listen to it I guess so if you are from the future let's say it's you're listening and it's like 2028 and you somehow find this podcast from you know seven years ago and you for some reason feel called to click and listen um that's okay that's sort of the intention that's my intention that everybody will come to this episode when it is right for them and also one thing I wanted to say too is that this although we're labeling this January 2021 sermon, this message that I'm going to speak to today has to do with the entire 2021. So we could also say this is the 2021 overall sermon, the overview sermon. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, take that, take that with, um, take that as you will. Always check in with your own intuition with what I am saying, um, take what resonates, leave the rest, um, yeah, and, and really only take what, what feels right to you, um, and, and yeah, that's, that's really, those are all my disclaimers. As you can tell by the title of this podcast sermon, I have titled this sermon, Expectation Lists, which is interesting because, I did feel really called to speak to this idea of expectation. What does it mean to have a certain expectation? And what does it mean to not have expectations? And what is the shadow side of both those things? Um, What is the shadow side? Maybe we should start with just expectation. What is an expectation how is having an expectation a good thing and when can having an expectation become shadowy right 
So the definition, here we go with my definitions. The definition of an expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or will be the case in the future. That's interesting. Let me read that again. A strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. So from that definition, there's almost like an inherent assumption, right? When you have an expectation, like I expect that today is Friday and tomorrow is going to be Saturday, right? And I've learned to trust that expectation. I've learned to trust the expectation that or the assumption that the sun will rise tomorrow morning no matter what, right? Um, there are certain expectations that we have learned to, to get used to, right? Another definition of expectation is a belief that someone will or should achieve something. A belief that someone will or should achieve something. So this is more of that idea that, you know, if I do A plus B, I will get C. You know, like we can expect. Like if I change my diet and exercise more, um, I will be healthier or something along those lines. You know, if I study astrology every day and take an astrology course, I will learn more about astrology, right? So so this is a little bit more, there's almost like an equation. There's like this inherent equation behind expectation. Like if I expect something to happen, it's because a certain action is going to lead me to this future outcome, right? And Here's the thing. Here's what's interesting. Let's think back to 2020 for a sec. Interesting to think that the majority of people somehow had an expectation squashed in 2020, right? In some way, shape, or form. Because nobody could have predicted or expected you know, what happened in 2020 with COVID and, um, you know, everything that went on in 2020. No one could have entirely expected it. And when our expectations get squashed, when our expectations of the present moment get squashed, it kind of says something about like what what does how does one respond to expectations not being met right someone may respond in sort of having like almost like a temper tantrum <laughs> in a way like um like i'm thinking of uh you know the people who like anti-maskers okay so that for me feels like a temper tantrum in in response to their subjective view of normal and their expected view of their expected normal quote-unquote not being met right um there's another thing that we could do when our expectations aren't met we could 
kind of come to radical acceptance that that how we thought the future was going to look like is is not the case. So then we sort of pivot. And some of us, including me, may have sort of pivoted into just new expectations, right? <laughs> like it was almost like, oh, 2020 isn't going to look how I thought it was going to look. How can I still be productive, right? And that was sort of, that was actually my default for a lot of it. Like, how can I still be productive and now form all these other different expectations on the quote-unquote new version of, of what is happening, right? And um, that's, I don't think that's necessarily healthy either like that we kind of just shift around our our productivity and and we shift around like um our focuses if that makes any sense now granted even then even then if we if we sort of attempted to you know okay this expectation was not met so I'm gonna have a a whole different bunch of expectations if I can't leave my house then I'm going to set another goal or, or have, you know, another desire, another manifestation, put another expectation on um, the current moment. Um, still, we could have been disappointed, right? Because still it was almost like, oh, our master plan didn't work. Like, <laughs> like it, no matter how much I think a lot of us tried to pivot, it was like, you could run, but you couldn't hide from 2020, right? Um, and I'm not saying that goals, manifestations, desires are inherently bad at all. Um, but I'm just kind of trying to open our minds to how expectations can be maybe harmful in some way and maybe a product of our conditioning that tells us like, we have to keep going like we have to pull ourselves up by the bootstrap we have to be productive figure out how to you know be productive in this moment no matter what right and I think going into 2021 the vibe of 2021 is a little bit different a lot different than 2020 I think 2020 at least the astrology with all of the outer planets that were in Capricorn, a lot of it spoke to, um, I think on a certain level, stagnation and, and frustration with stagnation. And what we do, you know, the things that we do when we're frustrated with stagnation. On another level, 2021 kind of, speaks to what happens um, when really profound change starts to happen. And like I said, sometimes when profound change starts to happen, things become energetically, physically, spiritually, emotionally unstable, right? There's a certain level of instability that 2021 speaks to especially astrologically what some of the major transits of 2021 are the squares between Saturn and Uranus Saturn being the planet of 
the old, you know, and Uranus being the planet of the new. Um, it's this kind of revolutionary um, energy. So when those two planets meet and form a square, there is going to be a certain level of instability um, in the present moment, right? And when the present moment is in a pressure cooker, going back to that, going back to that metaphor, when the pre- when the present moment is is shaky and unstable, and I, I really like that metaphor of like like that the molecules, like everything down to like we're in the air age, right? So like literally like molecules of like um, air and oxygen, like everything down to the cells in our body feel kind of unstable. Like how the heck are you supposed to have expectations, right? About what the future holds if the future is sort of right now being formed, if that makes sense. So let's kind of talk about, like, yeah, we just, we just kind of talked about how, how we may have responded in 2020 when our expectations disappointed us, right? Now going into 2021, kind of knowing that the astrological and energetic weather is speaking to, I think, really a a deep instability like in a way where um almost things are formless if that makes sense like things do not have a form yet would it be why is it wise to place a ton of expectations on an energy that is unstable I don't actually think that's that's wise. Um, again, I'm not demonizing desires and manifestations or a certain destination that you may have in mind for yourself. I'm actually not demonizing that at all. Um, in fact, I think it's part of human nature to sort of strive for something. And I think it's healthy for us to have goals and manifestations and desires um i think more than ever we need we need hope and we need to kind of keep keep the light burning if you will you know towards this kind of vision of um an equal and honest society that operates in integrity and and honors all different walks of life um and I think it's really important to hold that that image in in our minds, and I think that's kind of the challenge at the moment. However, I think where we might get really bogged down in the material world is having too many expectations um, when it comes to the how. Okay, um, like again, having that vision of the destination or having the vision of the manifestation, whether it is collective or maybe it's for your individual life. Maybe you have the vision of, you know, whatever. It could be something very material, buying a house, um, you know, finding a fulfilling job or um, starting a business, like, you know, whatever it is, whatever the manifestation is. Um, you know, you can, we're totally, I think, still okay to have some of those things, right? Um, however, 
I think the how in the expectation of how we are going to get there, I think that's where we might be entering into a little bit of, um, uh, like unrealistic thinking, if that makes sense. Like that, that sort of going back to that definition of expectation, a belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. I think getting a little bit stuck in the you know, I want C, so in order to get C, I have to do A plus B. I think that's where we might hold ourselves back in 2021. Because again, the the energy of 2021 is not A plus B equals C. The energy of 2021 is like X squared times Z <laughs> divided by P3 equals... <laughs> a squared like like the the energy of um of 2021 is like the discovery of a new equation that we've never seen before right so like it's almost like the universe is presenting us with this new equation and if we insist on the expectation that a plus b equals c we may be disappointed we may kind of um be leading ourselves on that path where we're pushing a boulder up a a heavy boulder up a hill and and kind of feeling like we're we're burnt out or we're we're exhausted even i would actually say that if an if at any point in 2021 if you're feeling like your expectations are actually exhausting you you know, your body, actually your body will let you know, I think, when, when maybe your expectations have become too solidified, if that makes sense. Um, I think, I think it's important to keep our expectations fluid for this year and for this month. And that's why I did name this sermon Expectationless right? And yeah, we've kind of talked about what it's like to have an expectation, but what is it like to kind of go into something, to go into this year, go into this month, embrace this new energy of 2021? What is it like to do that while also being expectationless, right? I don't actually know the answer to my question, but I'm interested in exploring it right now. (laughs) Um, Here's what I'll say. What I've kind of observed just in life, when people say things like, yeah, I'm just going to go into it without expectation, right? Like, it's usually because they're bracing themselves for disappointment, right? Like, I don't know. Like, if you have a friend who's like, oh, I'm like getting lunch with my trash ex but like I'm gonna go into it without expectation like you're like all right (laughs) you just keep doing that you know like there there is something about bracing ourselves for disappointment when we don't have expectations it's like we're almost um in not having expectations we're almost expecting the 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 endeavor whatever we're embarking on the endeavor to be not so fruitful so it almost feels like safer to not have expectations so you can kind of like 
buffer yourself um, from from disappointment, right? You know, to be honest, that's not the kind of thing that I'm speaking to here. When I when I'm suggesting that January and 2021 as a whole um, are maybe inviting us to be a little bit more expectationless. I'm actually not suggesting that we should we should brace ourselves for disappointment or that we shouldn't um, like yeah like we shouldn't expect anything right so like that's not what I'm suggesting at all I'm actually inviting us to consider how being expectationless if we want to flip the definition here um a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. So maybe expectationless would be a strong belief that anything could happen in the future, right? Um, that's really powerful. I think that's a really powerful invitation to to kind of think about, you know, going into this year. How can being expectationless actually broaden your horizons? How can being expectationless actually expand your view of life and open your heart to possibilities that you have never seen before, right? Um, What if being expectationless ended up in a weird way leading you to your manifestation faster what if being expectationless led you to a new passion or even reignited an old passion right what if being expectationless was it was actually the thing that could lead you to like developing a new habit because here's the thing being expectationless there's kind of this um this grace that we're giving ourselves there's kind of this inherent compassion grace and understanding in being expectationless it's almost like we're acknowledging that the cosmic weather is so unstable and so unpredictable that um, maybe it would actually be almost like a self-sabotage-fulfilling self prophecy to have too many strict and um, like solidified expectations of, of what the future is going to look like for you, right? Like, like maybe that's actually not the best road and maybe that's actually the road that also correlates with um, like being too hard on yourself and toxic productivity and um, and shame about resting and and even kind of that like toxic masculinity, right? And I've talked about this before. I don't really think toxic masculinity has anything to do with gender. I think every single person on this planet could could um, could in a way. Um, have that energy and I know I've I've had that energy a lot in my life so it's sort of like how how is having expectations actually inhibiting you to seeing the best way forward um and how could 
being expectationless actually invite in easier paths, easier roads. There's something other, there's something else that really kind of um, spoke to me. Um, it's funny, I said this kind of in the, I recently did an IGTV series. Um, and I did year ahead readings for every sign. So if you haven't watched those yet, they're in my IGTV channel. Um, but in the, I believe it was the Taurus um, video, I was talking about how um, sometimes spirit presents us with detours. Like, you know, like, but we are so insistent on Google Maps taking us this one way that we kind of ignore spirit and granted that detour could have although maybe the detour took a little bit longer you know and although the detour um maybe wasn't the most direct a plus b equals c kind of way to get there the detour you know that spirit was trying to show us may have ended up being more magical and may have led us to meeting someone special or running into the perfect um, storefront for your business or um, running into an opportunity that you didn't even think of you know um, like you know there's magic in that detour there's magic in um, letting spirit guide you as much as you are too you know like there's magic in kind of giving spirit half half of your steering wheel right um and I think that's the magic of being expectationless too it's sort of like, yes, I have these desires. I have these manifestations. I have these ideas of how I would like the future to look for me. But my expectations of how I'm going to get there, um, I'm not going to hang on to them too tightly. Because in a way, we're being invited to acknowledge, again, the instability of the energy of 2021 right <laughs> like like it, it, it's just it's like um like it's almost um it, it, we really are entering into this new paradigm and what happens when we are getting rid of the old and entering into the new what really exists between let's say the world in the tarot and the fool in the tarot like we are in that liminal space between the world and the fool. And when we are in that liminal space, really nothing can be predicted. Nothing can be expected. Um, really, we just kind of have to choose to go down the rabbit hole and see where the energy sort of spits us out, right? And, um, and I think that that could actually be a really healing and a really eye-opening experience to adopt this kind of vision of how can I have less expectations? How can I invite spirit into my life a little bit more? How can I have this desire and how can I have this manifestation but not get so tied down in the how, the who, what, when, where, why, right? Um, how can we allow the universe to unfold 
this year. Instead of putting so much pressure on exactly how we want it to go, right? Oh my god, that that feels like the the number one way to cause yourself suffering this year, 2021, and in, in January in general. Like gripping onto the wheel so tightly and grinding your teeth and being like, this is the way <laughs> forward. That seems like, you know, that seems actually again like like going back that that it seems like inherently there might be some maybe self-sabotage or some um maybe unconscious patterns in the wheel you know driving the car if that's the case right if we really feel like that um here's the thing too i wanted to i wanted to um kind of place in your mind what if being expectationless opened your eyes to new solutions, right? Like, like that could be kind of magical too. Like, in a way, like, if you've been expecting the answer to come through this medium, right? Like, you have a problem and you've been expecting this one person to help you fix that problem or this one technique to fix that problem. The minute you kind of embrace this expectationless kind of vibe, maybe you're able to see a, a solution that you weren't even seeing before. And that's the that's actually the benefit of the kind of chaotic, unstable energy of 2021. <laughs> like, and I hope I don't, I hope I'm not like being ominous or, or scaring anybody when I say instability. Um, but um, that, that kind of is the benefit of like an, unstable more of a chaotic energetic weather kind of um vibe the benefit is that things can change very quickly if we're willing to go with the flow solutions may present themselves very quickly things may happen out of the blue change may come very yeah very quickly in in a surprising way there is something surprising about Uranus, the way that um, Uranus acts um, and the way that Uranus is one of the main players of 2021. Um, any astrologer will tell you that like clients who are going through clients that are going through Uranus transits, there's a certain level of unpredictability or surprise or this feeling of yeah I just woke up one day and I just like couldn't do that anymore or like I just woke up one day and I just changed like um or there's this thing that just happened out of nowhere and it just changed everything um and again I'm not saying that to be scary I'm kind of saying that in a way to to just kind of speak to what the Uranus energy is, right? It, it can very much be surprise, innovation, um, powerful ideas that are thought of in great moments of of instability, right? Um, like. It, it, it feels, it kind of feels exciting, but also like we're going to need to um, not brace ourselves, but I think, I think we're going to need to accept that 
there is a new present moment that is revealing itself to us. And sometimes the only thing we can do in that moment is to be in the present moment without too many expectations, right? Um, So I hope this message made sense. The last thing that I'll say too with this with this kind of message of expectationless and kind of inviting all of my listeners to maybe experiment with what does it feel like to be expectationless? Like, what does it feel like to let go a little bit? What does it feel like to let go of the how, you know? Um, in, in that invitation, I also suspect that being expectationless like I said, it's almost like reverse psychology. The moment we let go of the the strict expectation of, oh, God damn it, it has to happen this way. <laughs> the moment we let go of that, um, again, like that, that new solution or that new road or that detour, that magical detour presents itself. Um, there is, though, a certain level of being expectationless that keeps us in the present moment, Right? Um, And that's really powerful. And again, I know that's kind of cheesy. And I've talked about this before on other sermons, like the whole like be present, be present, be present thing um, that that all the spiritual gurus are talking about, right? Like how how powerful it is to just be present, be here now, all of that stuff. Um, Sometimes it can kind of lose power, like I've talked about before, because we we hear so many people speaking to how important it is to be present. Um, But being expectationless is kind of a different way of saying be present. Because in being expectationless, really all you have is the present moment. All you have is your power to respond to this exact minute. Um, And that's powerful, right? I think a lot of us are going to be learning lessons about just very basic self-care, tending to the body, like our animalistic human nature of needing to eat, be hydrated, feel safe, um, you know, feeling secure because there's a certain level of insecurity or instability in the energetic vibe of 2021. I think a lot of humans are going to be challenged this year in how to create safety and stability within their own body, within their own mind, within their own spirit. And I think the expectation list person is actually able to do that kind of more easily because how many times do our expectations of what I'm going to get done today and what I'm going to get done tomorrow what am I going to get done next month what I'm what's gonna what is next year going to be what do I expect to from myself today and tomorrow and la di da di da all of that stuff again all of that stuff has the tendency to remove us from the body right So also experiment and consider how being expectationless actually keeps us in our physical body. And magical things happen when we are in our physical body. Let me tell you, (laughs) as a Pisces who does not want to be in my physical body a lot of the time, um, and it's just like a lot of the time I have to really fight with that 
Piscean energy, that highly sensitive, empathic energy within me who would just much rather be a, a fairy spirit um, or whatever, like just in the ethers, I would much rather be uh, on the other side than than sort of um, astral traveling or meditating or whatever than having to consider like, what do I need to eat for breakfast? I will say though that being in the physical body, caring for the physical body, tending for the physical body is actually the first step of any manifestation, right? The first step of any desire, the first step of any anything that we want to get done, anything that we want to get accomplished. Um, you know, on, on an individual and collective scale, the first step, we can't ignore it. It always comes back to you need to be in your body, right? your body needs to be tended to. So to end here, one thing I will say is that I hope you guys like this. I have two cards here and um, I have the 10 of wands in reverse and I have the eight of wands upright. And these cards popped out when I asked spirit, could they give me two cards that are sort of speaking to the message that uh, of expectationless that I that I wanted to deliver with this sermon? And could you like tarot readers like come on like could you think of two better cards to kind of speak to exactly what I'm talking about? Um, the Ten of Wands in reverse and the Eight of Wands upright. If you have your deck near you or you just want to visualize those cards, I think it's a really powerful image um, because when the Ten of Wands is reverse, we literally get the image of this dude dropping a bunch of weight, right? He's, and it's funny because like, what if he is dropping his expectations, right? What if he is dropping what he has been holding on to and clenching for dear life and breaking his back um you know over what he's trying to get done and accomplish and like what happens when we let go of some of those expectations not in an i give up fuck this kind of way but in a way where we're like i'm gonna let jesus take the wheel like you know um you know in in more simplistic terms Ten of Wands in reverse is very like, let's let Jesus take the wheel. Like, let's give some of these burdens to Jesus, right? <laughs> let's give some of these burdens to spirit. Let's give some of these burdens. Um, let's stop carrying so much weight. And literally, what happens after we do that? What happens when we start to drop some expectations, some burdens, some really strict you know, unconscious patterning that tells us this is exactly how it has to be. <laughs> this is exactly how you have to be in control. Um, the Eight of Wands comes. The Eight of Wands is this ultimate card of spirit alignment. We literally have eight rods in alignment, all going in the same direction. There's something speedy and quick about the Eight of Wands too. I love the Eight of Wands because it tells us like, you're on the right track. You're in letting go of all this control and everything that is causing you so much heaviness. Um, it's funny, the minute you let go of that, a new way comes forward. A new energy comes forward. 
a a new vibe presents itself to you that's really powerful and I also one of the reasons I love the eight of wands is because it's one of the cards that does not have a human in it right so when a card does not have a human in it it's really speaking to something that is happening on the other side so it's funny how when we drop our expectations things on the other side things things on spirits and can line up a lot easier right like spirit can line up our our manifestations our desires our our um what we're envisioning for ourselves spirit can help us line that up a lot quicker if we let them right um so i think this is a really powerful way to end this month um or to just kind of embrace this month of january and embrace this whole year of 2021 Okay, so I hope that served you. I hope that spoke to you in some way, my friends. The quick life update that I'll quickly give before jumping into this month's Q&A is my tarot course is now live. Uh, so that's really exciting. I am offering a another tarot course in March 2021. Specifically, this is an eight eight-ish, nine-ish week course. So it's like, it's a very, it's an intensive immersion. I call it an eight-week tarot immersion. It's technically nine weeks because we have one week off in there. We have like a little spring break. Um, but in total, eight, eight, eight weeks of class time. Um, and it's an eight-week tarot immersion called Tarot for Self-Discovery. Um, so I, I teach tarot through the lens of personal development, personal transformation, self-discovery, hence the name, storytelling. Um, I'm really big on helping my students find their own meanings associated with the cards. Um, it's like, it's this class where we, we I, I give lectures on like the cards and what the symbols are speaking to and, and what the cards quote unquote mean, you know, both traditionally and modern in a modern scheme but we also have these conversations and I also challenge my students to really find what is my story with the card what was happening in my life when I pulled this card what's my own personal um yeah what's my own personal narrative when I live through this card what happened, you know, like, or like when I really embraced this card, how did this card end up speaking to me? And I like doing that because I noticed that when students start to associate their own stories and their own, yeah, associations with the cards, they remember the cards better and they end up being um, really good and strong readers because they're able to have these personal connections with the cards versus just like memorizing a bunch of like cookbook definitions of of what each card means. So I mean, don't get me wrong, we do walk through every single card in this class. I mean, it's an 8-week class, so we go pretty in depth into each each and every tarot card, but um, I also assign like some fun like homework assignments and we have um, our Facebook group and this time around because it's the second time I'm teaching this course we're also going to do like office hours too where you can come and and talk to me on a little bit more of a personal level about kind of what's what's going on with 
tarot and all of that. So I'm really excited to invite in this next cohort. The first cohort, back when I taught this class in the summer of 2020, we were the fools. And this cohort, the one that's starting in March 2021, we are the magicians. Um, So yeah, when we were the fools, I feel like the fool really kind of entered into the lives of both me and some of the students in, in kind of interesting ways. So I'm excited to see how the magician ends up playing into our class um, in March. Uh, So it's pretty exciting. I will leave all of the information about this course in the show notes. Um, There's already a handful of signups, but um, I'm leaving room for somewhere between 10 and 15 students, probably a little bit more like around 10 students because I like to keep the class pretty intimate, but I'd be willing to go up to as much as 15 students depending on the the interest um and I'll also talk about this class again in an upcoming episode um I'm gonna do another like tarot personal story time thingy soon so I'll I'll talk a little bit more about the class in that episode but just for now if anything is like ringing a bell and you're interested and you want to find out more and you want to see like all the pricing options and um, like I have different tiers pricing tiers and I also have payment plans so I like to think that I've made the pricing fairly accessible Um, all of that is on the website my website in the course section and again I'll leave that in the show notes and feel free to ask me any questions or whatever shoot me some shoot me an email shoot me a dm let me know if um yeah you have any questions or you're interested and you want to talk more let me know the last thing i'll say sorry i'll i'll stop blabbing in a second um before we get into the q a but i will say that there's like a lot of tarot classes out there there's a lot of tarot teachers out there And just in general, when it comes to choosing spiritual teachers for yourself, like if you have the desire to take a class or you have the desire to seek some kind of mentor, you know, always make sure that you vibe with them. You know, like that's like, that's like very general advice, but like, yeah, like I'm really just, I'm calling in the people who, who vibe with my message, right? Who, who feel like, um, they, um, they could learn something from me. They feel like they uh, want to open their heart as a student um, to, to me in a way. And I think um, I'm always really honored when someone calls me their mentor. That's always like the highest compliment for me. Um, and I think that that kind of connection happens when both the student and the teacher like feel connected to each other in a deeper way you know like there's there's so many classes out there there's so many teachers that you can learn with but I think you get the most out of any class that you take when you feel like some kind of heart connection to the teacher right so um I'll say like that's kind of my intention too that like you know me and my students have um yeah like a a little bit of like a more personal or, or deeper connection with each other I Um, I'm the kind of teacher that like I care about you even after the class is over you know like it's not just like oh eight weeks the class is over see you later like I I really do care about my students I want to hear how they're doing I want to hear how they're 
first tarot reading went. I want to hear how maybe they're feeling frustrated with tarot and they're feeling stuck and maybe they want to tell me about that too. Like, you know, either way, I'm really open to hearing like what's going on with their path. And, and again, yeah, I'm honored anytime someone wants to learn with me or anytime someone calls me their mentor. So my friends, that's about it for the sermon. I'm going to take a quick break. Thank you so much for listening. And the next segment, we'll get into the Q&A of January. All right, friends, welcome back to the Q&A portion of the monthly sermon. Uh, I say this every month, but if you have a question that you would like to submit to the next monthly sermon Q&A, do not hesitate to email me your question or DM me on Instagram. Um, I always really appreciate that you trust me with your questions. And I'll also say too, I'll give a disclaimer that, um, yeah, I'm not an expert, so I, I do my best with these questions, but I, I guess take my answers with a, with a grain of salt and always check in with your own intuition too. But you're welcome to send me any questions when it comes to spirituality, even astrology, tarot, meditation, Whatever it is, you can send it. All right, that's about it. Let's get into it. Okay, so our first question is, how would someone with a north node in Sagittarius and a south node in Gemini be impacted by the current eclipses nodes in Gemini and and Sagittarius? It feels like it's going to be intense. Lots of love and appreciation. Okay, so this is a really interesting and good question. So what I think this person is describing is that um, right now, if you did not know the transiting nodes, uh, we have our north node in Gemini and we have our south node in Sagittarius. And what this person, I think, is saying is that natally, they have their north node in Sagittarius and their south node in Gemini. So their natal nodes are sort of opposite to how the transiting nodes are right now. Um, So what this person is describing, there's actually a name for it. They're actually going through their reverse nodal return, which does happen around 27, 28-ish. So I'm, I'm assuming you're around 27, 28, but it also happens at other ages too. So you could be older. Um, now, yeah, what, what really happens when we're going through a reverse nodal return, especially with the flavors of Gemini and Sagittarius, which is all about belief systems. Um, the, the North node, South node, and Gemini Sagittarius, I can't, I cannot help but 
associate the, those nodes with the hero font card in the tarot. Um, so if you read tarot, you know the hero font is this energy that asks us to contemplate our belief systems and really go deeper with like where did this belief come from or like you know how did I come to believe this am I just a parrot of what my parents have taught me or my priest or my guru or have I done the internal examination to really ask myself you know, is this really what I believe or is this what someone taught me to believe? Um, and, and that's really some of the questions collectively that we have been questioning thus far while um, while the North Node has been in Gemini and the South Node has been in Sagittarius. Um, an example that I've kind of thought about, like things floating around in the collective um uh, sorry I mean actually I won't apologize but this is kind of a political example um and I and I will own that this this is probably coming from my own bias but you know every time I see someone just like shitting on socialism and being like socialism takes away your freedom or um like just like yeah like I guess shitting on socialism with no um with no other like evidence behind what they're saying it's just like this overtone of like it's bad and like we can't have it and and it would ruin our country and ruin our democracy um sometimes I hear that and I really do think of the current nodes right now, the North Node in Gemini and the South Node in Sagittarius. And I'm thinking, huh, like, where did these people get that notion? That really sounds like something that's just kind of been absorbed and passed down through the generations, especially of Americans. Um, And then I'm kind of thinking, well, from my perspective, I mean, America is sort of like a democratic socialist country like things like um like comed that's socialism um you know like we already we already have socialism in in our society in a lot of ways uh, public transportation that could be argued as socialism so yeah like that that's just an example of how we can kind of see what's Um, what's like the unexamined belief that is being perpetuated in society? And we see this in a lot of ways besides this example that I just gave, right? Um, But uh, when it comes down to the individual, especially you as an individual who's going through the reverse nodal return, which again, like I said, um, I'm guessing you're around 27, 28, um, overall, it could be kind of a time where you are confronting some of your belief systems, especially around the times of the eclipses. So we have in 2021, we have um, an eclipse late May, mid-June, mid-November, and early December. I believe those are the four eclipses of 2021. So especially pay attention around those times of what is coming up when it comes to your own belief systems. 
I would say too, in my opinion, when it comes to the nodes in our own personal charts, um, I think the house that the nodes are in, the, the house axis that the nodes are in, may be arguably even more important than the sign the nodes are in. And I know not all astrologers would agree with me. Um, but if I if I had to pick, like I think like a north node in the fourth house, south node in the tenth house, that actually speaks to me on a deeper level than simply examining just the sign the nodes are in too. So I would say to this person who asked this question, do a little research into the the house that your nodes are sitting in too and, and kind of pay attention to, you know, what are the belief systems that I have around these areas of my life? Um, like let's let's take that example of the fourth house, tenth house. Let's say that's where your nodes are sitting natally. Um, yeah, what what condition beliefs do you have around your career path or how you're supposed to show up in this world? Um, versus what are the condition beliefs that you have around um, home life and how you're supposed to behave in the home and what home life is supposed to be like for you, you know, and that's just an example. But we could go around the whole chart and do this for all um, 12 houses and kind of examine some of the beliefs that we have yeah, absorbed about each of those houses. So I would say it's it's nothing to be afraid of it's just this moment of examination the the reverse nodal return um yeah examining belief systems i think is a really big part of that granted i will also say that yes we have a reverse nodal return but there's also um the nodal return right which is when um which is when the nodes the transiting nodes return to our um our natal nodes so for instance right now the people who have their natal north node in gemini and their natal south node in sagittarius are going through the nodal return right now now the nodal return has a little bit of a different flavor. I would say the reverse nodal return that this person is asking about might be a little bit more shadowy um, because it's kind of asking us to examine, you know, what what were what has been mirrored back to us. Um, yeah, whereas the the nodal return is a little bit more about culmination. Um, it's a little bit more about like almost like a karmic culmination, if that makes sense. Um, an example of this is that a lot of astrologers who did predict the 2020 election results, a lot of them were looking at uh, Kamala Harris and her birth chart. And a lot of them noted that um, during the election time Kamala was going through her nodal return so that was sort of an indication for those astrologers who predicted that Kamala and Biden would win um 
they were like, oh yeah, Kamala is going through her nodal return. So that's a sign that there's some kind of culmination of achievement, right? There's some kind of like karmic path that is being unveiled right now. Um, So I hope that makes sense. And one more thing that I'll touch on, going back to just the the reverse nodal return that we'll go through, we'll all go through around 27, 28-ish. There's a lot in astrology that happens to a person when they're like 27, 28, 29-ish. It's not just the Saturn return, which most people know about when Saturn returns to its natal placement. Um, we also have the, the reverse nodal return, right, around 27, 28 that we just talked about. Um, we have the Saturn return, and then we also have the progressed lunar return, which is when the progressed moon returns back to the natal moon's placement. Um, So I won't go into that too much, but I guess my point being that a lot of things are happening to to everybody around their late 20s. So yeah, I don't know. See see an astrologer around your late 20s because they they might be able to, you know, help you. (laughs) I mean, you can you can always go to an astrologer anytime in your life. But I would say um, the late 20s, there's there's definitely a lot of transits to to discuss with with a client. So um, so yeah, there's just a lot going on around that age in someone's chart. Okay, I hope I didn't just confuse everybody, but that's my take. Um, The second question. Hi, Mal. For a question, what is your personal take on how much you let spirit influence you? How do you know when to stop searching for signs or taking signs and feelings literally and just to trust and live life? I feel like someone I know is going down the rabbit hole and relying so much on signs or seeing signs and messages where it affects their choices, i.e. not talking to friends because she saw a sign or not going to work because of a feeling. Yes, intuition is good to have and must be listened to, but in my honest opinion, it's restricting this person from living and making decisions. Thanks. Okay, wow. That's like a really, really good question. So yeah, like spark notes. Like when do, when, um, when does quote unquote following your intuition or fo- quote unquote following the signs, um, following your feelings inhibit one from just living their life? I will say that the way you described your friend, to me, it does not sound like they're following their intuition at all. That really sounds to me like a lot of anxiety, <laughs> to be honest. And uh, that sounds to me like um, really fundamentally an issue with self-trust. That really was kind of coming to me when considering your question Um And I will speak from personal example. (laughs) I actually recently had kind of a lesson with this, not necessarily in the same way, but recently I've been 
um, studying some electional astrology, which for those of you who don't know, electional astrology is essentially basically the act of like electing a time to begin a project or to start something or begin something and in sort of electing a good time astrologically to start it the hope is that the endeavor will go well or you can influence the outcome of what you're starting by um yeah electing a time to do it so I've been kind of um I would say in the last couple months I think I kind of was going down the rabbit hole a little bit with electional astrology and I was like electing things like just electing a lot of minor things that I didn't even need to elect to do like electing times to release podcasts um electing times to release Instagram posts and at first it was just kind of experimental because part of the way you learn electional astrology is to just experiment and kind of observe the results of your your elected things right um but I think recently I've realized that um I've kind of fell down a little bit of a rabbit hole of using electional astrology um, in a way that wasn't great and was more anxiety inducing and the other day it just occurred to me I was like sitting at my astrology so- on my computer with my astrology software and I was just like messing around with like an electional chart for something And I like couldn't find a good, I I just couldn't find an election that felt good. And I like had some anxiety and I sat back and I was just like, what's the real reason why I'm trying so hard to find an election to, to, to use? And I just realized it was because I wasn't trusting myself. Like I just wasn't trusting myself to do the the to do the damn thing right um so in that moment I kind of made the choice to just trust myself instead of like going through the the hassle of finding an election and it it ended up fine right so to answer your question more directly um if we are like checking in with quote-unquote spirit um, I, I put that in quotes because I don't actually think we're we're checking in with spirit. I think we're actually checking in with our anxiety in that in that situation. But if we're quote unquote checking in with spirit, quote unquote checking in with signs, checking in with the tarot twenty times a day, um, that's not healthy, right? And, and that's that's speaking to a deeper a deeper issue, like I said, about self trust. And then we enter into the conversation of what is the difference between my intuition and my anxiety. Um, I've also had experiences where um, in really anxiety-inducing moments, I have projected a fear onto a sign, a quote-unquote sign, right? Um, And I've definitely done that, and then I've been wrong. Like, I've kind of thought, like, in certain instances, like, oh, I just saw a sign that, you know, something is going to go badly. And then 
it doesn't go badly. And then I'm like, wait a second. I just literally projected my fears onto <laughs> onto a quote-unquote sign that wasn't even a sign, right? And I think we have to be careful about this, especially if we are people who um, maybe have a predisposition to like obsessive thinking or even an addictive personality. I, I think has to be kind of careful with how they're using divination um now granted one thing I kind of thought of when looking at your question was um 9-11 in a weird way Um, I don't know why that kind of came to mind but you said like your friend won't go to work because they have a feeling um and I was thinking about 9-11 and how there was like you know, those those kind of crazy stories of um, a person waking up and um, on that morning and having a flight and, and not deciding not to get on the plane because they had like a really weird feeling or a person waking up and, and not going to work that day because they had a weird feeling. Um and I think a lot of people actually on that day had a weird phenomenon like that. So I don't discount that. Like, I think in a one in a million chance, you know, when you wake up one day and you never, ever really have a feeling that you shouldn't go to work that day. But then one day you wake up and you're like, hmm, I should stay home today and you just have a weird feeling, I-, I would honor that. But if you're waking up once a week or, you know, even once a month and there's some kind of, like, paranoia um, or you're using spirit to kind of, quote-unquote spirit, right, to um, kind of exacerbate fears, and of course, this is all subconscious, I think that's a problem. And I would suggest that, you know, taking a break from divination tools might be a good thing if that's kind of something that happens. Um, Because I've seen people kind of go down the rabbit hole with this stuff too. Working in a metaphysical shop, or used to work in a metaphysical shop, I actually saw this a lot. And um and I think that's why it it's there's a certain level of self-awareness, right? We have to have, um, yeah, yeah. So so I hope that helps in some way. Um, and I just wanted to give my personal experience that I'm not perfect, and in a way, I've I've kind of battled this myself, not in as an intense way as what you're describing with your friend but at least as a person with anxiety (laughs) who uses divination tools I've I've had to kind of battle this in a little bit more of a minor way and um I've had to bring some self-awareness to when I am maybe too anxious to use divination tools and that's okay because if you know that oh I'm anxious about this and no matter what card I pull 
I'm going to project my fears onto it, then I think it's totally valid to just set down the divination tools until you feel like you're in a place where you have some more self-awareness and calm. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, Someone asked also, can you talk about spirit and ghosts? Yeah, um, I will say... In general, of course, I believe in in spirits and ghosts. Um, I one of my um, experiences with this was when I was in college. I studied abroad for a semester at University of Edinburgh um, and. Edinburgh, Scotland, I'm pretty sure is said to be the most haunted city in Europe or something like that. Um, And it is, it's so, it's such a spooky city in like the best way. And it really is like my, one of my favorite cities in the world. But I would say there, um, I felt like the paranormal presences, I guess, more, um, more profoundly than I ever have in my life. Um, In general, it's kind of a weird question, but like, yeah, can you talk about spirits and ghosts? I mean, I believe in ghosts. I believe that humans have the power to communicate with those who have crossed over, of course. And I think sometimes this can be a healing experience. So Like, if someone dies and, um, you know, I I believe that, um, like, a really good medium who who uses, like, counseling techniques can really provide, like, some healing to, yeah, a person who has lost a loved one, things like that. So I I do think communicating with the other side, there is an aspect of, of healing that can happen. Um, on the other hand, I'm really not into communicating with the dead for, like, Hollywood purposes, if that makes sense. Like, even the show, what's it called? Is it called Ghost Hunters? Is that what it's called? Um, like, on the, um, is that the Travel Channel? Um, I feel like there's two shows. Oh, God, I'm, like, forgetting... Um, hang on, my computer's in front of me right now. Um, I'm gonna Google here, Travel Channel, because there's two shows on the Travel Channel about ghosts, and one is really good, and I think ethical, and then the other one is not, not good, um, and is not so good in in my opinion um okay okay so the dead files on the travel channel (laughs) with physical medium amy allen that's an retired nypd homicide detective steve die um Shavai, Shavai, is that how you say his last name? I'm butchering his last name. But okay, yeah, there's this show called The Dead Files on the Travel Channel. That's a good show. And I like that show because (laughs) even though it's scary and they juice it up a lot to make it really creepy, what's happening in that show is that this medium, Amy, and this detective, Steve, they're helping people remove harmful or dark spirits from their home 
and they're not um it feels it feels like ultimately it's a healing show even though again it's like juiced up to be kind of scary and spooky I feel like overall what they are doing is ethical okay now there's another show another popular ghost show called ghost adventures okay where um you may know it these two guys paranormal investigators um they go into like notorious haunted places and like just go poke around that I hate like (laughs) like I do not like the idea of um paranormal investigation just for shits and giggles I don't think it's ethical to disturb the dead um if the dead are um are affecting the living in a negative way like let's say you have like a spirit in your home or whatever and you would like to show that spirit to the light and help it cross over um that's perfectly fine to me but if you're just like poking around and um irritating all of these spirits for your own um like capitalization I don't think that's right and I've never been okay with that I don't like the idea of even like you know at a sleepover pulling out a Ouija board just for fun I don't like that I I don't like I don't like poking around at the dead just out of curiosity I I tend to be kind of against that but I'm also a Pisces so (laughs) like as a Pisces I'm like no like the dead are people too like let's not bother them like unless they need healing let's not bother them the one other thing I will say is and I think I mentioned this before in some other episode where when I used to work at the metaphysical shop There were a lot of instances where people would come in and they would claim to have some kind of spirit or entity in their home and they would enter the shop to find things to like remove the entity from their home. So like they would buy like sage and other smoke herbs and like cleansing things like candles and stuff like that. And they would say that their their motive was to remove the spirit or the entity from their home. But a lot of the times in those situations, I guess from my own intuition, I think deep down a lot of those people liked the drama of having something in their house, to be honest. Like, I, I think they liked the whole, um, like... I think on some unconscious level, they were like even attracting and in relationship with some of those ghosts and slash entities that they had in their house. So when they would come back again after again and again and again and being like, okay, this thing is still in my house, like what's the next step? You know, a lot of the times it would just be like, um, you know unconsciously I think you want it in your house like you know like I know that's like a really weird thing to say but and I wonder if anybody else has had this experience but um 
But yeah, I think in some way, sometimes the living and the dead can have a unhealthy or toxic relationship together, um, just like in a codependent relationship, just like two living people can have codependent relationships. So yeah, it's something it's something to be careful of. Um, yeah, and that's that's all I'll say on that for now. <laughs> Okay, so someone also asked, going back to an astrology question, someone asked, what is your philosophy when it comes to intercepted houses? So before I answer this question, let's define what is an intercepted house. So when you are using like a quadrant house system like Placidus or Campanus, you will get this sort of, um, sometimes in some charts, you'll get this intercepted house effect where what happens is that a house will begin, for instance, let's say a house, like the, the first house cusp begins at um let's say 27 degrees aquarius and um and then you know the yeah the first house cusp begins at 27 degrees aquarius and then within the first house um you know after aquarius ends so you have the 27th 28th 29th degree of aquarius then we arrive at zero degrees pisces the entire 30 degrees of Pisces is also contained within the first house. And then the first house finally ends at like 0, 1, 2, 3 degrees Aries. And then the house shifts over to the second house beginning at 4 degrees Aries, 5 degrees Aries, 60 degrees Aries. So in that example that I just gave, in that example, Pisces... The, the whole 30 degrees of Pisces was entirely almost sandwiched between the end of Aquarius and the beginning of Aries within one entire house, right? And if you have a sign intercepted in the first house, you'll also have the opposite sign intercepted in the opposite house. So let's say, again, you have a, the Pisces house intercepted or the, the degree of Pisces intercepted in your chart. You'll also have the entire 30 degrees of Virgo intercepted in your chart because Pisces and Virgo are opposites. Um, so, yeah, what what does it mean when we have an entire 30 degrees of a sign sandwiched in one house I have to say like I don't know <laughs> like um, I, I will say that um, I remember um, I don't use that's the thing I don't use uh, quadrant house systems anymore um, I, I used I was taught Placidus um, by my first astrology teacher and I remember we had a, a short discussion about intercepted houses and I remember he told me that when we have a, a sign that's intercepted in the chart um, sometimes it can allude to um, the sign being hard to access for the native so going back to that 
mock example that I just gave in a chart where Pisces and Virgo are intercepted in the in the chart um, then according to my old astrology teacher's philosophy the native would have a hard time accessing um, Pisces and Virgo energy in more of a karmic way so maybe in a past life they I'm making this up but maybe in a past life they were really selfish and they were more of a um like a an Ebenezer Scrooge and they like hoarded a lot of resources so in this life Pisces and Virgo are intercepted in their chart because they're meant to access some kind of healer or service karma where they have to kind of like be of service and care for others so they can heal this past life of being Ebenezer Scrooge again I'm making this up but this is sort of the this is sort of maybe the philosophy from my understanding with some more I think more evolutionary or karmic astrologers when we have that intercepted house right um, but like I said, I, um, I no longer use quadrant house systems. I am a Chris Brennan whole house system convert. <laughs> um, I, I officially use the whole house system. Um, it's interesting because my friend texted me the other day and she was like, oh, I just listened to your episode, um, what you wish you knew about astrology and um I was like oh man I don't even remember what I said in that episode but um I'm pretty sure I at that point I was still using Placidus and yeah and since I've since I've kind of grown and and studied more Hellenistic and gone down the more Hellenistic route um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't use Placidus. I don't use quadrant house systems anymore. I use whole house system. And in the whole house system, you do not have intercepted houses. So, um, personally, I, I don't miss having intercepted houses. <laughs> um, and personally, like I kind of question, um, yeah, I, I question that philosophy of like, if you have a, a sign that's intercepted that it would quote-unquote be hard for you to access the um the energy of those signs I mean it could be true I haven't done any sort of case study um on it or anything like that but um but yeah that's that's ultimately what my what my first astrology teacher taught me and I think that's generally the tone that most astrologers have when they do talk about the the metaphor behind the intercepted house um but again that's not part of my practice at this moment I'm really enjoying the whole house system at first I was very resistant to the whole house system just because in Placidus (laughs) in Placidus my um my moon is in the eighth house but in the whole house system my moon gets booted over to the ninth house and at first I was very resistant to the whole house system because I really for some reason really really wanted my moon to be in the eighth house 
<laughs> like I don't know why I was just like really attached to having my moon in the eighth house um, in the Placidus system and I will say in some instances that still makes sense but yeah after learning more Hellenistic astrology um, like the moon being in the ninth house um, and also being the ruler of my ascendant ultimately makes so much more sense for my life and um and yeah, I think that's actually what ultimately kind of swayed me over to the whole house system. Um, yeah, yeah, I won't get too technical here, but that that's ultimately kind of what swayed me. Um, so, so long story short, I do not incorporate the intercepted houses into my astrological practice at this moment. But who knows, maybe I'll go back to Placidus at some point. I don't know. We'll see. The last question here is, what does it mean when a house in your birth chart is empty? Um, So this is an interesting question that I get a lot, especially in natal chart consultations. So um, where do I start here? (laughs) where do I start? Uh, It's kind of a loaded question that I believe I've addressed before, but just just in a more technical way, yeah, what does it mean when we have a house that is empty in our chart? Because realistically speaking, probably all of us have at least one empty house in our chart. So does that mean, you know, that area of life that that house covers does it mean that um does it mean that that area of life is not active for us the answer is no you know just because you don't have planets in a certain house does not mean that that area of life is not active um when you don't have planets whether you do or do not have planets in a house Either way, um, what people miss, I think, and this is why um, this is why I think it's it's worth kind of diving deeper into planetary rulership and things like that. What people miss is that the ruler of a house is just as important as the planets inside of the house. Okay, Um, so every single house, all 12 houses in your birth chart have a landlord, we could call it. Um, They have a ruler. Um, So even if, let's say, your 10th house is in Libra and you have Pluto, Saturn, the sun, the moon, all in Libra in the 10th house, is that a packed 10th house? Absolutely. Will you have a lot of quote-unquote 10th house themes coming up in your lifetime? Absolutely. Um, However, all those planets, what did I say? Saturn, Pluto, Sun, and Moon, all in Libra. What's just as important is the fact that Venus rules over Libra. So then, as the astrologer, I'm not only considering um, 
Pluto, Saturn, the Sun, and Moon, and Libra in the 10th house. Now I'm also going to the landlord of that house, which is Venus. And now I'm looking, where is Venus in the chart? What is Venus's condition? What sign is Venus in? And that can give me just just as much information or I should say Venus and Venus's condition is equally as important as all of those placements in the 10th house. Now this could be a really confusing concept at first and when I was first starting out studying astrology like technical astrology like seriously that was probably one of the hardest parts to grasp um, when it comes to synthesis like this idea that each house is ruled by a planet and how to sort of incorporate the all of the meaning right like because it's it's now there's like a second layer of interpretation you know we have the the house and the house's ruler and how the hell do you synthesize all of that right (laughs) um so i will i will say that i'm still working on that too like i'm not an expert in synthesis like this is something that i still study and consider um but long story short yeah, going back to their question, what does it mean when a house is empty? Well, a house is never truly empty. It, it might be empty in the way that it does not contain any major planets. But no matter what, a house always has a landlord that it's answering to and influences. Um, I'll give another example of this from my own chart. Um, so I have a really packed seventh house um like a packed seventh house of relationships so i have venus neptune and uranus in capricorn in the seventh so really packed seventh house um so you would like think like oh like a packed seventh house relationships are like you know romantic relationships and partnerships gotta be a huge part of this person's life like Ooh la la, like they <laughs> they probably go from relationship to relationship. Like they have so many planets in the seventh house. That's not me at all. And here's why. Um, you know, my seventh house, although it contains Venus, Uranus, and Neptune, they're all in Capricorn. And who's the ruler of Capricorn? Who's the landlord of Capricorn? That would be Saturn. Um, and I have Saturn sitting in my ninth house, right? Um, so in that kind of interpretation, Saturn in the ninth of long distance travel, education, even astrology, we could maybe make the loose prediction that um, ultimately I may end up being partnered with um, maybe, I don't know, someone from a country that is not America because <laughs> because um, because the seventh house is long distance travel. Maybe I meet a partner in a different country. Um, maybe I um, end up living with a partner in another country. Maybe my partner ends up being another astrologer because the ninth house is the house of astrology. Um, also, Saturn tends to like give us this kind of idea that um, we things happen later in life. So it's possible that I won't find like a partner until much later in life. Um, it's possible that I find a much older partner. So you see how like 
by just interpreting my seventh house, Venus, Uranus, Neptune, and Capricorn, and just taking that seventh house there um, at, at face value, we might actually get the entirely wrong interpretation, right? Like we might get like, oh, this person has like so many relationships and it's just not true for me thus far but once we factor in Saturn the landlord of my seventh house then actually my seventh house makes a lot more sense okay so so that's what I would that's what I would suggest when um when looking at any house a packed house or an empty house we always have to go to the landlord and see what the landlord is doing all right, my friends, I hope that helped. I know there was a lot of technical astrology questions in this Q&A, so I hope you still enjoyed this Q&A, even, even if you're not so into the technical side of astrology. Um, and again, feel free, I will do my best, so feel free to always email me different topics. Again, anything spiritual, astrology, tarot, um, uh, meditation, even like mental health, I can speak, I can try my best to speak to mental health, um, even life situations like relationships, you're welcome to ask me any personal questions too and I can maybe answer them depending on what you're asking me. Um, so <laughs> that's about it. So my email is in the show notes. My Instagram is in the show notes as well. And I forget if I've mentioned this in the episode already, but I recently changed my Instagram handle over to just my name. So it's underscore Mallory Hasty now instead of Horoscope, which I'm actually in the process of rebranding a lot of my stuff just over to my name um, just because that's kind of what I'm feeling called to do intuitively. Um, I, I'm kind of feeling called to just show up more with my name and show up more as me. So, um, so yeah, I recently changed my Instagram handle. So that is also in the show notes below. I so appreciate you listening. If you made it all the way to the end, I, I double appreciate you. Um, (laughs) my, my books are open right now for year ahead readings, um, year ahead astrology readings. I also do a year ahead tarot video reading. Those are all on my website. I'm also taking just like my regular natal chart bookings, my tarot bookings, distant Reiki bookings. Um, so that's, that stuff is all on my website. You can let me know if you have any questions about my services. Um, What else can I plug? I also have a Patreon, which is also in the show notes, where you get access to my secret YouTube channel. So if you want more content from me that has to do with astrology, tarot, spirituality, and just my overall life, um, that I would direct you to Patreon. Um, And that's about it, my friends. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to give back or exchange energy with me, um, a really great exchange of energy would be to leave me a five-star review below, especially if you are on Apple Podcasts. Um, That really, really helps me out. And I've been nearing... 
100 ratings for a couple months now and I'm almost at 100 ratings. So if you can help me get to 100 ratings on pod, on Apple Podcasts, that would just make my month. Um, so I love you guys very, very much. Um, sending you healing sending you strength, (laughs) sending you courage, um, and we will chat in the next episode.